0: and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Tonight, we will talk about the Coptic Orthodox Church in the Western culture, a recipe for revival and flourishing. And actually, I don't have a recipe for flourishing and revival simply because God planted in the seed of the church the reasons to flourish and to grow and to survive. Like when God actually created us, we grow, God planted in us all the reasons that make us grow and survive in the same way for the plants or for any living creature God planted in them reasons to grow and to flourish but when actually there is a person not growing or a plant not growing Then we say, what's wrong here? What is wrong here? And we try to diagnose the illness that is stopping the person or the plant from growing and flourishing. What I'm trying to say is the default for any church is just to grow and to flourish. Without it, we doing anything, because it is the work of the Holy Spirit in the church. The church, it is the body of Christ. And since the church is body of Christ, then it has all what she needs in order to grow, grow and flourish. But if there is a church not growing and not flourishing, then there is illness. there uh, there is some sort of disease. So, what I like to speak with you today are ten common diseases that actually preventing the church, especially in the Western culture, from growing and flourishing. And when we diagnose these diseases, and maybe there is one or more disease at the same time. When we diagnose these diseases, and then we ask God and we cooperate with him to treat these diseases, then what will happen? The church will grow and flourish. The first disease actually is the the disease that affected the church of Laodicea. This church actually we read about it in the book of Revelation chapter 3 verse 14. Before I read it with you, I like to diagnose this disease. What is the disease actually? The word Laodseya laos means people. So, Lao actually is the church of the people. Meaning what? Meaning the government in the church is the government of the people. And when we speak about the government in the church, the church is not democratic. Maybe this is a surprise to some of us. The government in the church is not democracy. And definitely it is not dictatorship. The government in the church is theocratic. Theo means God. So, theocratic means it is the government of god in the church so the church of laodicea did what they actually asked god to leave the church they rejected the government of god in the church and they said no we will govern the church as we see As we see it right you don't know how we need and they are saying to God you don't know what are our needs in the 21st century we know better than you so we ask you to leave the church for us and we will run the church maybe what I'm saying doesn't sound okay with some of you but let me give you an example In God's government, in the church, he assigned the priesthood for men. I'm not going to discuss why, but just that is the government. Even St. Mary, the mother of God, who is above the cherubim and above the seraphim, God did not appoint her even as a deacon nor as a priest, nor as an apostle or as a bishop. Yes, she was a spiritual mother to all the apostles. But God did not breathe in her face and told her, receive the Holy Spirit if you forgive the sins of any they are forgiven. He did not give her the authority to forgive sins on earth and to bind and to lose. So the people in the 21st century, they said No. We know better than you. We will ordain women as bishops and as priests because of the equality. As if God doesn't understand the concept of equality, we understand it better than him. That is the government of the people in the church. And some churches right now, they have actually priesthood of women against the government of God. Why? Simply because the people wanted so. Another thing. God, when he ordained and established the sacraments of marriage, since the creation, he established marriage and the definition of marriage between a male and female. But in the Western culture, they know better than God. They said, no, why male and female? Actually, there is same-sex marriage. Two males can marry, two females can marry. Nothing wrong with that. That is the government of the people. And some churches, in order to please men, in order to please people. Now, actually, they know better than God. So they allow in their churches same-sex marriage. That is the church of Lao government of people. If the people voted for same-sex marriage, then that's democracy. The majority want it. We don't care about what God wants. God made it clearly, clearly to us, if anyone divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, except for adultery, it is a sin. He makes her, commits adultery. Verses are very clear. It is clear. And in Malachi chapter 2, God says, I hate divorce. I hate divorce, says God. But now we are saying, no, God doesn't know. We know better than him. And we are adding reasons for divorce and we are trying to justify these reasons also God said I hate divorce, I hate, you can read it in Malachi chapter 2 but we know better than God, that's what the people want that's what the people wants that is the government of the people so one reason why the church is not flourishing and not growing because we denied the government of God in the church our not our the church will not be a theocratic but it will be democratic. What the people want will go. What the people want will go. Not what God wants. That's why the description in the church of Laodicea is very strong. Christ is standing outside the church and knocking. That's why he said in verse 20, Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Why are you standing outside? Because the church that's governed by the people, not by God, kicked God outside. Please leave. We will govern the church. We will put the rules of the church. We know better than you. Just leave. But God in his patience, he's saying, yes, you kicked me outside the church, but I'm standing at the door and I will keep knocking. I want to come and to govern the church. Not because I'm a dictator or I'm a controller. Because I know how it works. Like, if I invented a device, I know how this device should work. But when you tell me, please leave it to me, I will fix it. And then I will try to fix it and the more I try to fix it, the more I am ruining it. So, the person who invented the device comes and tells me, Please give me the device, I will make it work for you. I will make it grow. Just leave it to me. We say, no, 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 we know better. Just stay away. We will fix it. I am standing at the door and knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. So, when actually we refuse to listen to the voice of God, when we refuse to listen to the apostolic tradition, when we refuse to listen to the government of God, and we try to run the church our own way, because we want it this way, Because our children who grew up here wanted this way. They want the church to be this way. And we need actually to change the church to fit what the people want, not what God wants. That is the first reason why the church is not growing and flourishing. Because now it is the government of the people not the government of God, Church of Laodicea. The second reason, we find it actually in First Corinthians chapter 1, when St. Paul told them in verse 11, For it has been declared to me concerning you, My brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Kephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? The divisions in the church, the divisions in the church. Actually, Paul, Apollos, Peter, all of them, they worked for Christ. And there was no division between Paul, Apollos, and Peter. The three of them were disciples of Christ. Yes, maybe some misunderstanding or maybe some dispute happened like between Paul and and, and Peter regarding the acceptance of the Gentiles. But at the end, they did not divide the church. But people who claimed to be their disciples, they divided the church. And people under Paul, or they claim to be, who are the disciples of Paul, they started to fight with people who claim to be the disciple of Peter. Although Peter and Paul, actually they are in peace in heaven, in paradise of joy. Both of them are in unity. This actually stopped the church from growing and flourishing. And unfortunately we see it now in our church. We are the disciples of so-and-so. And and the other group No, are the disciples of so-and-so. And this group attacked this father. And this group attacked this father. And both of them They are in the paradise of joy, living and praising God continuously in in unity and in love. But those who are claiming to be their disciples, they are dividing the church. And when the church is divided, as the Lord said, a house that is divided against itself will be desolate. Even the Lord said something very alarming to us. He said, the kingdom of Satan is not divided against itself. If Satan actually casts out demons, how his kingdom will flourish? So, when we are divided against ourselves in the name of Christ... Who are worse than the demons. Because the demons are not divided against themselves. So, when in the name of the truth or the name of supporting uh, Father so and so or this person or that person, we became worse than the demons. Because the demons understand that division is not good for their kingdom. But we don't understand that division is not good for our church. And the church that is divided against itself will be brought to desolation. Division can happen on the level of a small church, local church, on a level of the diocese, or on the level of the holy church worldwide. But any division, any division actually is a big obstacle toward the growth and toward this church to flourish. And now, many debates on the social media regarding theology and people attack other people as heretics, and this causes divisions and dispute, and then we say, "What? The church is not flourishing." Number one, social media is is a good place to discuss theology. Did I listen to the other person' point of view, and I understand what he is saying before? I attack him as heretic. The best place to discuss theology definitely is not the social media. Councils. When there was dispute about how to receive the Gentiles, the council in Jerusalem met, and they give everybody opportunity to speak and to explain their point of view. And then the council that was led by the Holy Spirit made the final resolution. But all these dispute and divisions on the social media and attacking one another and dividing the Church of Christ into Paul, Peter, Apollos, Christ, this is not healthy. This is not healthy. If I see something wrong, the right place to address it is not on the social media. St. Paul told us, if you see something wrong, those who are spiritual corrected with the spirit of gentleness. There is no gentleness on the social media. Watching yourself, lest you yourself be tempted. So, that is another disease that stops the church from growing and flourishing. The illness of division. I am the disciple of Paul, I am the disciple of Apollos, I am the disciple of Peter. And who, who died for me? It is Christ. And Christ is not divided. His bones were not broken. His bones were not broken because the body of Christ is one body. The third reason is what the Lord said or call it lip service or lip worship. The worship of the Jews. When he said, these people worship me with their lips, but their hearts is far away from me, and in vain they worship me. When that worship in the church becomes lip service, this actually stops the church from growing. Worship in the church intended to be our spiritual food, our spiritual nourishment. So, when actually we are fed in the right way, we will grow and flourish. But the lip service actually is very common in our church. When we pray, we just recite words that we don't understand it. Or we rush our prayers. And then we wonder why people like to listen to songs and choirs, but when they come to the liturgy, they don't enjoy it. One of the reasons is the way we pray in liturgy. When I pray like this, for example, I rush the prayer, and you don't understand what I'm saying, and even if I'm praying in language that you are understanding, I am rushing it, so you cannot pay attention, you cannot follow with me. The church actually chanted the prayer in order for us to enjoy it. Chanting is to enjoy. Even in the secular world, can you imagine a singer start to sing one of the world's songs, but he start to rush it. Just you want to finish. Do you think you will enjoy the song? Definitely not. But when we come to the church, that's how we worship. We rush everything. So we start losing the interest. And the worship that is designed in order to satisfy us and to nourish us, not there anymore. So people now, they don't enjoy the liturgy, or if they attend the liturgy, they are distracted, they cannot pay attention, and our service turned to be lip service. I'm just uttering words with my lips, but my heart is far away. That's why we attend the liturgy that is designed to nurture and satisfy and fulfill my spiritual needs. But now, although we attend so many liturgies, but we don't grow because our service became lip service. These people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are away. And Abuna in the liturgy says, lift up your hearts. And we respond and say, we have them with the Lord. But do you really have your heart with the Lord? When you are standing in the liturgy and you are distracted with your device, your phone and looking at it and checking your text message and texting others during the liturgy and reading your emails and going to your Facebook and checking it during the liturgy and reading comments and doing all of this. Are you serious? You know, are saying you have them with the Lord? You lift up your hearts and we say you have them with the Lord? And then we wonder why you are not growing? Because our hearts are somewhere else. Physically, I'm inside the church, my body inside the church, but my heart and my mind is somewhere else. How can you expect to grow? How the church will grow and flourish if this is actually how we worship the Lord? It is lip service. We don't mean what we say. We say we thank you, Lord, for everything concerning everything, and our heart is full of resentment and anger and bitterness. We say thy will be done, but in reality, I want my will to be done. Why you don't do my will? So I'm saying something, but my heart is saying something else. That is the lip service. There is inconsistency between what I am saying, and what my heart is saying. That's lip service. And this is a vain worship. As the Lord said they worship me with their lips but their hearts are away from me and in vain they worship me. In vain they worship me. It is a vain service, vain worship. How to expect to grow with the lip service. Number four service of ignorance. When the Lord met the Samaritan woman in John chapter uh, 4, he told her a very important word when she asked him about worship. In verse 22, he told her, you worship that you do not know. You worship what You do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. When St. Paul visited Athens, he told them, while I'm walking among uh, your idols, I found an idol called unknown God. This God whom you worship Without knowing him, I am preaching him to you. Many times we worship unknown God. Unknown God. What do I mean by this? Many times we make an image for God in our mind this image is totally different than the image of the true God and then I am worshipping this image that I created in my own mind about God and I have this wrong perception or distorted perception about God for example God doesn't love me God does not accept me Or, for example, why God is staying away from me? Why God is not listening to my prayer? Or, like other religions, God revealed himself as Triune God, Trinity. But they rejected to accept this revelation, and they said, no, God is just one. There is no Trinity. So, all this wrong perception in theology about God make us worship unknown God. But also, there is difference between knowing God and knowing about God. Maybe all of us, we have the right creed, the right understanding of God. We believe in the true revelation of God. But all what we know is knowing about God. Not knowing God. We heard about Him. We read about Him. But we never experienced Him. So this kind of worship Worshipping God whom we do not know, we heard about him, but we never experienced him. That's why St. John, in his first letter, he told us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. Why? Not just you know about him, no. No that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So we need to have true fellowship with God. We need to know him, experience him. So everyone of us, when we speak about God, you are not speaking about God, whom only you heard about or read about, but God whom you experienced, whom you have touched, have seen, have heard. God for us should not be just a philosophy or theology, but should be fellowship. Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We need to get into this fellowship with the Holy Trinity. Then our worship will be nourishing us, so we can grow and we flourish. But if we are worshiping God whom we do not know, just we heard about Him, we will never grow and we will never flourish. So, to what extent you have fellowship with the Holy Trinity? Is your relationship with God just you heard about Him? Or you are in real fellowship with Him? The fifth reason is the disease of the Church of Sardis. What is the illness of the church of Sardis? We read it in Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. God said to the church in Sardis, You have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. You have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. What is this illness? Do you remember the fig tree that the Lord cursed? The fig tree has many leaves. So when you see the fig tree, you assume it is alive. Many leaves, many, many leaves. But when actually the Lord looked at the fig tree, he did not find any fruit. That's why he cursed it. And the fig tree withered. Withered, now it became dead. Because in reality, this tree was dead. Was not alive. It gives the impression that this tree is alive, but in reality, it is fruitless. Did not bear any fruit. Many times we focus on Activities. So you can find the church has so many activities, but there is no fruit. Like the Jewish temple, they had many activities, sacrifices, they have many services every day, many, many activities, feasts, people go to the temple. To offer sacrifices, to celebrate the Passover, to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, to celebrate many, many activities. It's like the the Jewish church, but there was no fruit. They killed the Lord Jesus Christ. In the same way, we have many churches from outside full of activities. But what is the purpose of this activity? It is not the spiritual growth. It is just to have activities. And maybe you are happy because all these activities attracted the people and attracted the youth. But they attracted the youth to the building, to the place, but not to Christ, not to God. That's why you'll find youth in the church and serving as deacons and attending all these churches, but they are struggling. They they do all of this and they do drugs. They do all of this and they live in sexual immorality. They do all of this and there is hatred in their hearts. There is no forgiving spirit they do all these activities but they cannot endure or put up with one another and we wonder how with all these activities there is no fruit that is the church in sardis had a name that she is alive but in the eyes of god is dead that's why before starting any activity. We need to ask ourselves, what is the goal? What is the purpose? How this activity will help in the spiritual growth? How this activity will help in the inner transformation? The transformation of the heart. The conversion of the heart. We should not be content or happy just with the activities from outside. Unless all these activities change the heart from within and transform us from glory to glory to that image, to be in the likeness of his only begotten son, then these activities are like the leaves of the fig tree. And you know what God did to the fig tree? He cursed the fig tree because it deceived the people. It gives impression that this tree is alive although the tree was dead. So activities are okay. Activities are good. If the goal of all these activities is spiritual upbuilding, spiritual uplifting, spiritual nourishment, then all these activities will be accepted number 6 saint paul described in his letter to colossians a religion that he called it self imposed religion self imposed religion we read it in chapter 2 colossians chapter 2 starting from verse Twenty. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men, these things, indeed, have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion. Appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion. False humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. St. Paul is speaking here about some activities or some worships that we are imposing on ourselves. That's why he called it self-imposed religion. And the reason of all these self-imposed activities or religion is false humility to appear from outside as humble, but in the reality, why he call it false humility? Because behind this false humility, there is pride. There is ego. That's why I may neglect my body. And I call this asceticism. Literally, I may not take care of my body. And so the people, when they see me, the oh uh, uh, abuna or sayed naflan he is uh righteous person attau we guess mikida you like oh do you know abuna flan uh, doesn't take shower at all what is righteousness in in he doesn't take shower at all what is the righteousness in this that's what we call self imposed religion and we we believe these things as that is the true holiness neglect of the body false humility so i'm imposing all these practices just to get the attention of the people but he said has no value against the indulgence of the flesh will never actually help you to grow spiritually and to control the indulgence of the flesh. We impose these things on ourselves. When Harada, actually, all these superstition things are very high valued by us. And we believe that is the holiness, the righteousness. And we forget what spirituality is whenness amala tegri bas yeulu mish aref Fulanda, how he lives his life in this way and bi لو واحد شكله مبهدل وما بيستحماش ومش عارف شكله ايه and we follow who set for us this model of righteousness, of spirituality? That's exactly what God said, what St. Paul explained here, Taman, inspired by the Holy Spirit, self-imposed religion. And we go and travel land and sea to go to see these people and follow them. يعني so, superstition, very very high valued in our church that's why it, it stop the true growth and the true flourishing because we are following self-imposed religion not the true spirituality not the true nourishment of our souls number seven duality when we live a dual life, it's like the church of Ephesus. The church of Ephesus, they were living a dual life. God told them in Revelation chapter 2, verse 2, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. Verse 3, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. So, that is one part of their life. But the other part, nevertheless, I have this against you, you have left your first love. So, duality means, yes, I worship God, with sincerity, with patience, with endurance. But in the same time, there is a hidden sin. I did not give up. I forsaken the first love. There is a sin here that's hidden in my life that is preventing me from growing and flourishing. This sin... In the Church of Ephesus, although they were doing a very, very great ministry, the Lord testified for them, you have persevered, and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. But because of this hidden sin, they were not growing. That's why the Lord told them three things. Remember from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. That is a prescription for the treatment here. And many of us actually are living this dual life. Yes, we, we sincerely want to live with God. And we serve sincerely. And when we pray or worship, we worship from our heart. But there is a hidden sin. There is something I am not willing to give it up. I am keeping this inside me. So this hidden sin or this beloved sin will hinder my growth and will hinder me from flourishing. And as it applies for The individual, it can apply for the Holy Church. Because God here is speaking to the Holy Church, Church of Ephesus. And the prescription still works until today. Remember from where you have fallen. What is this sin? Repent. Just confess it. Get rid of it. Repent. And do the first works return back to God wholeheartedly and do the first work. So duality in our life, to live with God wholeheartedly, while there is something with the world also wholeheartedly, doesn't work. You cannot worship two masters, either God or the mammon. Either to serve God or to serve the mammon. Don't have a divided heart. Heart with the world and heart with God. Number eight, the existence of false teaching inside the church without discerning. It's like the church of Bergamos. In chapter 2, verse 12 from the book of Revelation, God said to them in verse 14, But I have a few things against you, because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Bal'am, who taught Balak to put stumbling blocks before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I hate. Repent. Again, in our time, unfortunately, the mind of non-denominationalism start to grow even inside the church itself. We are trying to forget the differences between all the denominations. And in the name of love we call for unity that's not based on the unity of faith. And we forget that keeping false teaching and false doctrine is a sin needs repentance, as God said to the church in Pergamos in verse sixteen. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So accept false doctrine, accept false teaching in the name of love. It is a sin that needs repentance. As God said to the church in Pergamos, You are letting those who hold the wrong doctrine inside your church. You need to repent. St. John, the beloved, the apostle of love, St. John was very actually sharp when it comes to doctrine. In his second letter, he said, if anyone comes to you And does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. And what is the evil deeds? False doctrine, false teaching. St. Paul said, if an angel came to you from heaven with a false doctrine, let him be excommunicated. Even an angel from heaven. We need to be aware of the spirit of non-denominationalism that many people inside our church are advocates for this. And they want just to dilute the differences between different denominations under the name of love and tolerance and acceptance and unity. The Bible is very clear. It is a sin. Otherwise, why the council, the ecumenical council met? Why they did not allow Arius to continue and Nestorius to continue and Sibelius to continue under the name of love and acceptance and tolerance and unity? Why they were very sharp? Why St. John said, don't receive him even in your houses? Otherwise, You participate in his evil deeds. This is not because the church is close-minded. No. But because the church actually has responsibility to fight for the faith. And as the Lord said, if you don't do it, I will come and fight them with the sword of my mouth. So... We need actually to be aware of the false teachers and the false teaching. Because keeping false teaching and false teachers inside the church is a reason that prevented the church from growing and flourishing. Number nine, keeping sinners inside the church without repentance or without correction. All of us who are sinners, So, but there are two different types of sinners. A sinner that is repenting, he may fall again, but he every time he falls, he repents. And as St. John Chrysostom, he said the church is not a hotel for sins, but the church is a hospital for the sinners the church is not hotel for sins, but hospital for sinners so if I'm a sinner and I need to be treated my place is the church because the church is hospital for sinners so I'm not speaking about this kind of sinners but I'm speaking about sinners patients who enter the hospital not to be treated but to spread and contaminate others with their illness. So if a person with contagious disease enters a hospital not to be treated but his intention to spread his illness to others. So although the hospital is the place for this person to be treated but they will tell him If you are treated, if you want to be treated, you are more than welcome. But if you are here to spread your illness, no. Because those who want to be treated, you are a threat to them. You will contaminate them with your illness. And this actually was the problem of the Church of Thyatira in Revelation chapter 2, verse 20. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servant to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Some fathers come and ask me, We know this youth comes to the church to sell drugs, and they are here actually to recruit youth and to teach them drugs and to sell drugs to them what should we do should we stop them from coming to the church or we allow them to continue coming to the church so i ask them if a person went to a hospital not to be treated but to spread his illness to others what the hospital will do to this person? They will tell him, no, you cannot come here just to spread your illness to others. That's why when St. Paul found a person in the Church of Corinth living in sexual immorality and commit adultery with his father's wife, he excommunicated him. And excommunication at that time, meant no communication. no communication at all. Excommunication, our time, just person doesn't take communion. But the excommunication, in its original meaning, not only does not take communion, but no communication with this person. Only one person communicate with him is a spiritual elder, a spiritual father to try to bring him back to repentance, as the canons of the apostles says. But a person who is refusing to repent and just come to the church in order to spread his bad sins and his bad habits among others, the church should actually take a stand with this person. But in the same time, a spiritual father should follow up with him, try to bring him to repentance. As what happened with the sinner of the church of Corinth, when he repented, St. Paul sent the second letter and encouraged them to accept him and to show him love, lest he is swallowed from grief. But letting, like the church in Theatra, letting unrepentant sinners in the church who spread their sins and their ideology among others can prevent the church from growing and flourishing. And the last illness that prevents the church from flourishing and growing is spiritual blindness. As the Lord said in John chapter 9, to the scribes and Pharisees, he called them blind guides. He told them in verse 41, if you were blind, you would have no sin, but now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. There are three types of spiritual blindness. But the Lord speaking about one type only. Spiritual blindness means a person who is blind and he knows that he is blind. So this person will come and say, I am blind. It is because of sin in the heart. The eye of the Spirit is the heart. So when my heart has sins, this causes spiritual blindness, like the tax collectors, like the woman uh, in the house of Simeon the Pharisee. These people, like Matthew the tax collector, Zacchaeus the tax collector, the woman that it was in the house of Simeon the Pharisee, they were sinners, but they knew that they were sinners, they admit their blindness. And they came to God to be healed. This type is not dangerous. This is why the Lord was able to lead many tax collectors and adulterers to, to repentance. The second type, the eye is good, but I walk in darkness. The first type, there is light around me, but my eye is blind. The second type of blindness, My eye is good, I can see, but I'm walking in darkness. This is actually the darkness of ignorance, like St. Paul before his conversion. According to the Jewish law, he was righteous. So, his eye, his heart was good, but he was walking in darkness, darkness of ignorance. That's why he said, but God had mercy on me because I did this in ignorance. And when he met the Lord Jesus Christ, he became literally blind because the Lord is telling him, you were blind spiritually. But these people, when they know the truth, like St. Paul, so their blindness will be healed. In St. Gregory liturgy, we say, as a true light you have shown on the lost and the ignorant. The lost is the first type of blindness. Ignorant is the second type of blindness. But the third type of blindness is the blindness of the scribe and Pharisees. This actually is the most serious type of blindness, most destructive type of blindness. And if we have this type of blindness, this can actually stop our churches from growing and from flourishing. It is a blindness of pride, of self-righteousness. When we perceive that we are good, we are righteous, we don't need to do anything. That is a blindness of the scribe and Pharisees. When the Lord actually spoke about them instead of admitting their blindness, they conspired to kill him. That's why the Lord said, for judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see but admit it may see, and those who see, those who claim that they see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? So the Lord told them, If you were blind, if you admit your blindness, you wouldn't have no sin. You would have no sin. Because if you admit your blindness, then you come to me and I will heal you. But the problem that, but now you say we see, you are in denial. Therefore, your sin remains. You know, it's like a drug addict. When he tells you, I don't need any treatment. I'm okay. Who told you I'm addict? The problem when the person lives in denial. The problem when he denies that he has a problem. Any problem can be solved. Any problem. The only problem that cannot be solved when you deny that you have a problem. Because if you deny that you have a problem, how can we solve it? If you were blind, if you admit your blindness, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, you are in denial, therefore your sin remains. So if you come to a church, you come to an individual and tell him, you need to correct this, then the person becomes angry, defensive, no, I have nothing to correct. I am okay. Then how this church will grow? So the church that's prideful and the church that infected with a spiritual blindness of pride and self-righteousness, they don't accept any word of correction. So how, how this church will grow? So these are actually the ten illnesses that can actually prevent the church from growing. And as I said in the beginning, God planted in any church all what the church needs to grow and and flourish. So by default, any church should grow and flourish unless we have one of these 10 things governed by the people, division lip service, ignorant service, we have leaves but no fruits, self-imposed religion, duality, keeping false teaching inside the church, keeping unrepentant and not willing to repent sinners inside the church and spiritual blindness. May the Lord help all of us to get rid of all these diseases, And come to Him, the true physician of our souls and bodies, in order to treat us, to help us, to heal us, so that we may grow and flourish for the glory of His Holy Name. Glory.